podcast for women in film and television, Austin. Hi, everyone. Thanks for coming back to season two of the WIFT Austin podcast. I'm today's host, Ai Wung. This episode is for anyone interested in a career in screenwriting. Today's guest is Alex Yonks. Alex Yonks is originally from Dallas. She is one of the creators behind the Food Network's first ever scripted movie, Candy Coated Christmas. Alex holds two story by credits for the hit show, The Big Bang Theory. She also has a 2017 College Television Emmy Award in children's programming for her short film called A Taylor Story. So, Alex, um, we just wanted to have a conversation and, and to really kind of understand a little bit of your process. And I know you've had your first feature uh, premiere, but really, just to start off, what was your a regular day in the life of a writer for you last week? Like, just what was a typical <laughs> okay. day? Um, that's a good question. Last week, let's see, I'm working on a feature right now. So I kind of, I t- tried to devote a couple of hours a day to that. I've also got, you know, meetings and things going on that I've got to schedule around some other projects that I'm developing, which is, it's good to, it's nice when you have nothing else going on but one thing and you can fully focus on that one thing. But at the same time, it's also nice when you've got a lot of different things in the fire because your focus is a little bit split. So you can sort of give 100% focus to one thing, take a break from that one thing and move on to the next thing and give 100% to that thing. Um, So last week, like I said, I was working on the the feature a little bit. I had a couple of meetings, a couple of things that I've been developing. And also just one thing that I've incorporated into my daily, uh, I, I would say writer's life, although I think it's just my life. But as anybody who's listening who's a writer knows that the life of a writer is is pretty uh, 24-7. I've started walking in the mornings and just kind of taking like the first thing that I do when I wake up is walk for about an hour and I'll listen to podcasts. Sometimes I'll listen to music and I actually think that it's been helping me as a writer because it gives me something. It's sort of I don't have to think about anything when I'm on my walk. I just go and then I come back and I'm refreshed and I'm ready to go to do whatever it is that I'm doing that day. How did you start incorporating walking into your normal routine as a writer? Um, I mean, full disclosure, it's been about a month that I've been doing it consistently. So uh, stay tuned to see how that <laughs> continues on. Um, fingers crossed. But I, I grew up playing competitive soccer. And that was, you know, so I was exercising all the time as a kid. And I haven't been able to do that as much recently. And and I've noted, I, I hate going to the gym. I don't, you know, exercising is is hard. And so you have to, it has to be something that you enjoy and like more ta- more power to the people who, you know, would run 24 hours a day if they could. Um, I unfortunately am not that, that kind of person. That's why I loved playing soccer because I wasn't thinking about it. And I just, I, I kind of felt like I needed to make it a habit. And I recently picked up this book called The Power of Habit. And it basically talks about the consistency of doing something repetitively and making it something where you don't have to think about it and it just becomes part of your routine. So I've been trying to do that consistently with walking and kind of taking one thing at a time. But that's, I guess, how <laughs> how I've recently incorporated it into my into my day to day. I take walks four times a day because I have a dog, <gasps> but it's also been really really um, helpful in 
now it's the point where I'm like, I'm stressed. I just need to go on a walk. And um, I was actually just listening to another podcast as a writer about how taking walks helps you embody some of the notes, Hmm. feedback notes that you get. Um, So it's like, what makes your body feel good? And then you can kind of like, as you walk, kind of feel in your body uh, what notes are resonating with you. And I found that really, really fun. But I did want to ask, starting, um, you said you played soccer a lot uh, Mm -hmm. growing up. At what point in your life did you realize, oh, I wanted to be a writer? Did you have that moment or was it just a gradual shift? Kind of. So for the longest time, I wrote... Like, I would write about my days. Like, as a kid, even, I would write, like, I mean, silly stuff like, okay, I was wearing this sweater with these socks, and we walked here, and we did this. Like, very much uh, play-by-play of of my day, which, as an adult, I appreciate because it sort of brings me back into the mindset that I was when I was a kid, which is helpful for me as a writer when I'm embodying, you know, younger characters anyway, um, which I personally is what I spark to the most, typically. And... Beyond that, so I played soccer competitively until I was about 16, and when I was about 14, I started taking acting classes um, at this acting studio, Catherine Sullivan Acting for Film. It's in Louisville, Texas. There was a, a directing class one summer, and I took this directing class, and one thing kind of led to another, and so I sort of started with acting, and then that led to directing, which then led to writing. And kind of throughout that whole time, I was writing my own little things and sort of just doing it without thinking about it. And then we had a seminar at the studio and I wanted to, I wasn't finding anything that I was clicking to um, in terms of scenes that were being given to us. And I just on a whim decided to write my own scene. I'd never really written anything before in terms of screenplay. I'd written, you know, journal entries and that kind of thing and obviously school essays, but uh, not in terms of screenplay. And I wrote this thing. It was about these two girls. And long story short, I did the scene in class and the people, the guests that were there, they asked where it was from as if it had been, you know, from a movie or something. And I you know, I said, I, I wrote it and they were all kind of shocked. And I was shocked that they were shocked because I had never really written anything before. And over the course of writing this scene, I had fallen in love with the characters that I had written. And so I just decided that I was going to keep writing them. And I wrote my first feature and I pretty much have never looked back. <laughs> That's amazing. When you remember writing that scene, like what memories evoke? Do you remember any emotions or like what do you remember about being in that space? I I remember it pretty vividly, actually. I, I wrote two different scenes and I, I remember I was sitting in my room like up against my bed um, and it was late. It was like, I don't know, maybe 1230 or something and I didn't go to bed. And I'm so glad I didn't go to bed because otherwise I probably wouldn't have written that scene. And I probably I mean, I probably would have found writing anyway. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know if that answered your question. So it just felt like you had like a moment of like the muse came and and you kind of had this like all night writing furious session and kind of. <laughs> And you can't predict those. I mean, over the last like decade, I'd say there's been a handful of times where that's happened and you're sort of in a zone and in a trance and the characters are just kind of speaking and you're just kind of going a thousand miles a minute. But you can't really predict that. You can sort of set yourself up 
for the best possible chance that that will happen. And that might be your environment. That might be how you're feeling in the moment. But it's kind of the magic of screenwriting. And I think as a writer, that's certainly something that you strive for and that you crave and that you want. And, you know, sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. And just because it's not there doesn't mean that you're not producing something great. Um, And just because it is there doesn't mean you're going to produce something great. (laughs) Yeah, I really appreciate what you said about creating the best conditions. Um, Because as you know, like in the life of a writer, it's just there's so many conditions and so many things to worry about. But I I did want to ask from the moment those people and those guests asked you about where that scene came from, what was your trajectory from that moment on into into where you are now? So I I think I was 16 or 17 at the time. I can't quite remember. I could if I did a, a backlog into my my writing. Your journal entries. My journal entries, <laughs> literally. But I was, I know that I was sort of already looking into colleges and schools that I wanted to go to. Um, and Chapman University, which is where I went, was on the top of my list. And I realized that I loved directing at the time. And that was kind of what I wanted to go for. Writing is something that you can kind of, you can, it's, uh, I don't know exactly the like, appropriate or proper answer for this question. But I do think that it is a balance of just having it in you and also utilizing the tools at your disposal, whether that's reading books, taking classes, you know, listening to other writers who are successful in screenwriting. So, you know, I went to Chapman University and from there uh, I was writing all the time. Uh, I took some writing classes, but honestly, I was just writing my own scripts on the side anyway and just keeping that tool sharpened and I I did a ton of internships in college which I was lucky enough to be you know Chapman's in Orange County which is with no traffic an hour away with traffic (laughs) up to three hours don't want to scare you off but that is uh, a real case that can happen (laughs) happened to me a couple of times and after school I I worked at John Wells Productions for a couple of months. Then I got a job on The Big Bang Theory, which was a dream come true in every sense of the word. Um, And I was there for quite a few years, I think three or four, maybe five, three or four years. It felt like a very long time in a good way. And I just was developing and I was, you know, pitching story areas and my boss was great. And I was able to get a couple of credits on that show, which was awesome and truly learn from some of the best writers there are. I mean, in terms of the sitcom world, they're they're at the top of the game. Um, and they're good people as well, which is, you know, always a, a positive. I think there's a sort of misconception of the industry where everything has to be really harsh. And, and while there are definitely harsh elements of the industry, and you can certainly come across those people, there are good people in it, and you just kind of have to find them. And and hopefully, you know, like-minded people attract like-minded people. And if you're, you know, have the right mentality, you'll be able to <laughs> meet other genuine people as well. Easier said than done, but it, it does exist. Uh, and yeah, I guess that's kind of how how I got to where I am today. I don't really know if that answers your question. I mean, there was a, a, a trillion other <laughs> steps and, <laughs> you know, good things, bad things, sideways things that happened along the way. But uh, as, as straightforward, I guess that's kind of how it happened. 
Yeah, of course. And and of course, no path is, is ever linear and no path is ever just one, two, three. But in your experience, when as a young writer, what did you learn or what areas of growth did you really exercise uh, at the Big Bang Theory writing for a sitcom? So I think, you know, patience is a huge thing. And there's a balance because when you just graduate, you know, you're you're super excited and eager and you're, you know, and personally, like I was on cloud nine, like I could not have been happier being there. It was a show that I loved that I watched, you know, with my family growing up. And and I really loved that it was a source of happiness for an audience. I think writing is such a powerful tool. And, and I think that it, there is a responsibility from writers. I, I personally feel it to put forth something that's going to hopefully make somebody feel better and not the other way around. And there are different genres for different things. But, you know, for me, I particularly like being a part of things that are uplifting in some way. And maybe that's, you know, providing a laugh for somebody. Maybe that's, you know, making them feel a certain way. Um, it tends to be for me uh, I, I, on a positive note. This isn't really writing related, but being kind, like it doesn't matter how at the top you are, it filters down immensely. And part of the reason that I think the show is so successful was because everybody, it was a very much work hard, play hard environment. And everybody was really good at their jobs from, you know, the actors to the writers to the PAs, which I was in the beginning. And it's, you know, I learned that from, you know, the other people that I was working with. Additionally, I would say just, you know, sitcom format being like through osmosis, like you're reading scripts all the time, you're on the floor, the writers are making jokes in between takes. And, you know, if something works, great. And if it doesn't, you know, they'll write on the fly. And that's something that you know, I'd heard about, but until you're there, you don't really fully understand how that process works. But in terms of like writing, like pitching story areas and learning specifically to that show, I think that's that's one thing that I learned is that every show is different. And even between sitcoms, the way that the show is written is different and the sort of rules are a little bit different and that's something that you really can't learn unless you're there experiencing it so that's a I would say you kind of like learn as you go it's sort of like when you start a new job there's a learning curve and I think that that is very much the case with any job so you know it's hard to prepare other than just being like ready and having a positive attitude and being willing to help and kind of do whatever it is that needs to be done um, in that job. So after Big Bang Theory, what was your arc to writing Candy Coated Christmas? Yes. So I had gone to a a Christmas writing family-friendly panel, and they talked about all the movies that they make and how fun it is. And I just thought to myself, like, you know what? kind of want to do that. Let me see what I can do to figure out if there's a way to to get involved. And um, I, a family friend of ours who produces quite a few Hallmark movies, um, I'd reached out to him. He was sort of a mentor of mine in college. And, you know, I said, hey, like, how, how do I do this? Do you have any suggestions? Is it possible? Is it, you know, what's the way to do this if it's even a, a thing that can be done? 
And, you know, he had said to me, you know, my, my producing partner and I are looking for a writer to collaborate with on a, you know, a very small nugget of an idea or a, on a nugget of an idea. You know, would you have any interest? And I was like, yes, sign me up. Um, and so that was kind of the beginning of that. And that was a, a little bit before COVID started. And we were developing several ideas and kind of landed on one. And the three of us, Joey Plager and Ellie Canner, who produced and directed the movie, really, you know, we kind of spent the COVID year writing this Christmas movie and going back and forth. And then um, in 2021, started to shop it around. And fortunately, um, it worked out and Discovery Plus was looking for some Christmas content and I and they had never done a, a narrative project before. Um, and so we were their first one, which was really exciting and cool to be able to be the inaugural, not just Christmas movie, but narrative feature. And yeah, so we sold it to them. And that process was very quick. Within, I want to say like within three weeks, we were already in production or at least pre-production, pre-production and then production. And we shot in Utah and I was able to go for a couple of days, which was really fun. And just to be able to see the words that I'd written on, you know, screen and, you know, meet the actors who are playing the characters and um, be around it and involved. Uh, that was it was really fun. And then it aired in November. <laughs> and I, I think it's still streaming on Discovery Plus if you want to check it out. <laughs> Reed Drummond, everybody. Pioneer Woman, if that rings a bell. She's in it. She makes an appearance. <laughs> Um, I'm really excited to watch it because I was, I was, um, but I also really want to wait until Christmas to watch it. Yes. Because uh, it's a very <laughs> specific time. Um, I wanted to ask you the process of once you finish a script and you are shopping it around and you're pitching it and you're kind of selling it. Could you demystify that process for us a little bit? When you press done, the end, <laughs> what happens next? Oh, uh, I don't know if there's a way to demystify it because it's not from where I'm standing. It really, truly feels like there's no rhyme or reason, which is not the case in reality. But it just it takes such a long time. And there's so many different people involved in getting something greenlit that it's you kind of just have to, like, let it go and, you know, hope that something's going to happen and know that you know, it might not. And I think and move on, you know, move on to the next thing that you're working on, because that is definitely one thing that I've learned. You know, you can be so adamant that this is the best thing that's ever been written by anybody. And it's got to be made because X, Y and Z. And while that is great, and I do think you need that passion behind a project, there's so many outside factors that play into it, that you don't really learn about until you're going through it. And, you know, I've learned personally going through the processes and and also from mentors of mine and friends of mine who are writers and showrunners and people who are in the industry trying to continue to be successful in their careers. It's the same thing. And so I think just and I have to tell myself this, which is, you know, just continue, just keep going, don't give up. And do the best that you can do and and then put it aside and go on to the next thing. And if you have to revisit it, revisit it. But not putting all your eggs in one basket, I guess I would say, is probably that, <laughs> which I continuously have to tell myself. <laughs> With Candy Cutter Christmas, basically, to pitch, it was your producer. Your producer took it and 
Yes. So our producer uh, reached out to Suzanne Todd, who's an executive producer who had a relationship with Discovery Plus. um, And that's kind of how that unfolded. And in the future, like I would love to be more involved in that process. Um, But for this first one, I I trusted Joey and Ellie to to take care of it. And and they did. (laughs) I have a first a technical question. So when you are working on a collaborative project, because you were writing collaboratively um, on Candy Coated Christmas, especially through the pandemic, what software do you use particularly for that? And then is it different when you're just working alone on on your personal projects? Sure. So I use Final Draft. I've been using Final Draft for over a decade. There are other softwares out there, but I think that Final Draft is kind of the go-to. Certainly, it's a language that you can learn pretty quickly, I think. And once you learn it, there are there are updates quite frequently, but the, the nuts and bolts of it don't change. So I, I think if you're starting out and you're looking for a software, invest in Final Draft. And then your second question was... The process. So with Candy Go to Christmas, Joey, Ellie, and I hadn't ever met in person. Well, I'd I'd met I knew I knew Joey, but uh, Ellie and I hadn't met in person until set. So we you know spoke almost every day on the phone and worked together and wrote this movie together, and that was all done virtually. And um, I think we did Zoom sometimes. We would do conference calls sometimes. I would write things and send to them. Um, and then we would get on the phone and, you know, kind of go over it. And that that was that specific process with the two of them. And, and it just kind of worked for us. And in terms of when I'm just working like solo on a project, I I mean, I use Final Draft and I'll sort of brainstorm on Word. I'll sometimes make outlines on Word and kind of just have it side by side. <laughs> Just to return to Big Bang Theory um, and Young Sheldon, where you both worked, what was the process of pitching story ideas when you were there? Sure. So on Big Bang Theory specifically, you know, my boss was awesome and he and I had a really good relationship. And, you know, I I was able to pitch story areas to him for the show. Um, And I, you know, I don't know how many I, I pitched. It was a lot. And I spent a lot of time working on them. But I was able to get a couple of story credits by that. Well. When you see the episodes that you pitched, how do you feel when you when you actually watch it on television? It's pretty cool, especially in the beginning when I first saw it. I was very happy. <laughs> I like to check if if Big Bang Theory's on. I like look and see <laughs> if, if any of the episodes are on. <laughs> so just we're running out of time, which is a shame because it's I've had so much fun and learned so much from you. But what projects are you working on right now, and and where? Where do you see yourself in the next couple of years? Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> so I am I am currently uh, writing a feature. I am developing a couple of um, television shows. I am in the process of working with a few authors and, you know, potentially going to be adapting some books, but uh, just trying to stay afloat, I guess. <laughs> um, in the future, I, I really love working with kids and teenagers and sort of um, happy, feel-good content um, that's a little bit more grounded, um, something that you could maybe watch with your family or, you know, that a a 13-year-old could watch, you know, with an older sister, even like, you know, a 7-year-old could watch with their older sister or something like that. So four-quadrant kind of shows. I love sports and, you know, I like I said, soccer is a huge part of my life and uh, so I would love at some point to find some way to incorporate 
soccer into a project that I'm working on. I'm sort of working on something that hopefully will go somewhere. And if not, it'll be something else. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that sounds so exciting. As a writer, what are you watching right now that's really feel good, that makes you feel great? Well, I got to say, it is hard to find, that, which is part of why I <laughs> am so passionate about creating content that fulfills that. I'm trying to think of right now what I've been watching. Oh, um, Abbott Elementary we've been watching and that's it's so fun and sweet and and it's it's funny um and it's you know that's that's one that i've been really liking we've been watching the wonder years a friend and mentor of mine saladin patterson created that show and i think it's fantastic over the pandemic i found dawson's creek man did i live in dawson's creek for a period of time <laughs> um i'm trying to think what else Ted Lasso is a great one. So I wanted to ask, how has your mother's influence or mentorship helped you in the, in your process? I mean, I think the, the biggest thing for me is she's always, always supported me in whatever it is that I want to do. And I think, you know, it's, it's helpful that she has experience in the TV and film industry. She went to UT Austin, was in, in the RTF program. Um, and so from a very early age... You know, she had kind of been involved, and in and to be quite honest, I didn't even really know until I was older that she had been involved in the industry. Um, and so, I think when I was kind of discovering my passion for it, it was really nice to sort of see that she also had a passion for it, and to be able to share, you know, the ups and downs with her has been really great. Alexa's mom is Melanie Youngs, who was on the WIFT Austin inaugural advisory board, and she was also a guest on the season one podcast. So if y'all haven't listened to that, make sure you catch that. Alex, thank you so much for making the drive down to Austin and being with us in person. It's been so fun to to have you, and good luck with all of your other writing projects. Thank you so much, and thank you guys so much for having me. This is a blast. <laughs> if you want to continue listening for more episodes, be sure to subscribe. And while you're at it, rate and review so that we can get the attention of new listeners like you. Special thanks to Austin Public for their continued support. And don't forget to follow us on social media at WIFT underscore Austin. And also check out the new and improved website of WIFTAustin.org. And if you're not already a member, WIFT Austin offers some great networking and educational opportunities to improve your career. Thanks for listening, y'all. Hey, what's up, you guys? It's Summer, and I'm back with a brand new movie review. This week, I'm going to talk about a movie called Candy Coated Christmas. A lot of C's. I really like this movie. I did. It's about a woman who's returning to her hometown of Peppermint Hollow, and she is she's there for business. She's not there for pleasure. She's not there to visit and have fun. She's there specifically to sell this house that she has and make some money and go visit her dad out in a tropical island for Christmas. A lot of stuff happens that actually kind of change those plans. And I'm not going to get completely into it because I want you to watch the movie. But I thought it was just it was the cutest movie. It was so awesome and sweet. And I biasedly love peppermint. So <laughs> so I really like this movie directed by Ellie Kanner 
written by Ellie Kanner and Alex Yonks. Thank you so much, Alex, for coming on to the podcast. If you're listening to this, I absolutely love the film. It was so good. Great job. It, it was just chef's kiss. It was so good. Um, starring Molly McCook as Molly Gallant. Jim McCook, which is actually her real-life father. Fred Gallant. Aaron O'Connor as Noah Winters. Jay Sue Park as Gracie Park. Landry Townsend as Dakota Winters. And Lee Garlington as Kim Winters. So good. So sweet. I I love film in general, but I also love movies that are just heartwarming. And this is such a great film for the holidays. If you want to just relax, drink some hot cocoa, eat some peppermint. Peppermint is a great food to have while you're watching this film because it is the, the peppermint itself is a character. Okay. The Peppermint itself is a character. Mark my words. The movie also has Reed Drummond, who is the pioneer woman. I think she's pretty cool. Anytime I've gone into the dentist's office, she's on the TV. And I'm just like, what a time to be watching a cooking show is while you're at the dentist's office. Like, it's just like, what? A, that's just great. But anyways, I got a little off topic. Sorry. I just I thought this movie was really sweet. It had some things and you're like oh my gosh I hope everything works out but of course everything does work out in the end and I love movies like that you know sometimes I like when oh gosh there's problem after problem after problem and you're just like oh my gosh nothing is going to happen nothing is going to come of this there's going to be so many issues but I also love when I can just sit there and be smiling the whole time and knowing that everything is going to be okay and that was definitely one of these films um also the writing thanks to Ellie Kanner and Alex Yonks, was amazing. It had such great writing. It wasn't cliche. It wasn't stupid. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, I knew that was going to happen, or I knew she was going to say that. It was smart and funny and witty, and it just, I have nothing but great things to say about this film. If you want to watch it, You can watch it on Discovery Plus, which I believe is through Amazon. That's how I watched it. Or if you have a Discovery Plus account, feel free to watch it. It's called A Candy Coated Christmas, and I hope you enjoy. Thanks so much, and have a great day. Bye. This episode of the Wift Austin podcast was produced and hosted by Chantel James, Ai Vong, and Samantha Ray Lopez. The showrunner is Chantel James. Our editors are Shannon Steffen, Valerie Torres, and Carla Rivera. Summer Hart is our movie review critic. Marketing is done by Carla Rivera and Tori Rose. You can find us on the web at wiftaustin.org and on social media at wift underscore Austin. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hold up. 